The Pinball Network is online. Launching Pinball Party. Six. Let's go. Pinball party. Yes, sir. A lot sir. of new shit. We got uh, a new version of this software. We got a soundboard. Um, we got Kale. What's up, people? I got a new haircut. Hopefully, everyone answered you out loud while they're driving. Yep. Say hello to Kale. What's up? I need a haircut. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Kind of growing it out. I might slick it. Yeah, there you go. Um, you know, everyone who emails in who mentions you, they spell your name with a K, uh-huh. which I think is pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah, I get that. It, I get that. Uh, just for the record, it is spelled with a C, but I, uh, I, I answer to either. Yeah, but they think you're a vegetable. Right, and I am. You know, you know what I used to do at home. There was um, on. Um, a Public broadcasting. Do you have that? You have PBS. Yeah, everybody yeah, yeah, has yeah. that, right? Yeah. So there, there used to be a special. Remember when like kale became very popular? Not me. The <laughs> the the leafy yeah. green. Uh, there was a there was an hour long special that just talked about how good <laughs> kale was for you. And so when I was cleaning the house, I would just crank it up on the stereo. Yeah. And listen to it. And it was just like very uplifting. It was an hour with no commercials about how wonderful kale is for wow. you. Wow. I love that. that yeah, I used that, to do that. Like more than most? Life, life, life hack. hack. Yeah, life eat hack. your kale. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've done well, it. Well, yeah. you know, per usual, this show is sponsored by Flippin' Out Pinball, uh, a place where I buy my pinball stuff. I think you buy some pinball stuff there. And everyone, everyone out I do. there should buy their stuff from Flippin' Out. When I buy my pinball shit, I buy from Flippin' Out. From Topper Sharp Blades Reels, I've got it figured out. Flippin' Out, figured out. When I think of pinball, I think Flippin' Out. Flippin' Out, figured out. When I buy, 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 I buy from Flippin' Out. I'm glad you mentioned Flippin' Out because I bought a Pulp Fiction from Flippin' Out. And I, and I have a question. Okay. Is it going to have the N word in it? <laughs> but isn't isn't that the elephant in the room? Because I mean, uh, like, because I I just finished listening to another uh, pinball podcast. Uh, this was uh, Loser mm. Kid, and they had they had uh, Butch Peel on there talking about uh, the Pulp Fiction pinball machine. And I've heard uh, Mark Ritchie, and they they they've all said that they no. Like everything's in there. They keep saying everything's Gee. in there, and uh, I mean, one of the most iconic scenes is when uh, Vincent and Jules show up to Jimmy's <laughs> house, who is uh, Quentin yeah. Tarantino with a dead kid. Yeah, and and there's there is the the whole uh, the scene about the uh, the the dead N word storage. <laughs> the, the, does it? Did you see a sign that said "dead N word storage"? Mm. God damn, Jimmy. This some serious gourmet shit. Me and Vincent would have been satisfied with some freeze-dried taster's choice, right? <laughs> and he brings this serious gourmet shit on us. What flavor is this? Knock it off, Chewie. What? I don't need you to tell me how fucking good my coffee is, okay? 
I'm the one who buys it. I know how good it is. When Bonnie goes shopping, she buys shit. I buy the gourmet expensive stuff because when I drink it, I want to taste it. But you know what's on my mind right now? It ain't the coffee in my kitchen. It's the dead Figure it out. in my garage. Oh, Jimmy, don't even worry well, no, about no, no, it. No, 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 don't think about anything. I want to ask you a question. When you came pulling in here, did you notice a sign out in the front of my house that said dead Figure it out. Jimmy, you know I ain't seen no shit. Did you notice a sign in the front of my house that said dead Figure storage? And, you know, no, you know, Jimmy, I didn't see any sign like that. You want to know why? Uh, because that's my fucking business. That's why. And um, so if they're saying everything's in this game is literally everything in this game. Come on. That's the elephant in the room. I, I want to know. I think here. Uh, uh, how do you answer this? OK, you know, when they say jackpot in games, you hit a soup. Uh -huh. Replace that with the N word in this game. Figure it out. <laughs> so every time you hit it. Like in uh, uh, Don't Be a Menace to Sell Central or Drinking Your Juice in the Hood, when he walks in, instead of the doorbell, you hear the N-word. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, go full. Well, I, I know there is, and they were just talking about this on that on the Loser Kid pod podcast, uh, uh, Butch was talking about how uh, David Teal had to make two separate call-outs, right? You have your mm. clean and, and your dirty. This is beyond dirty. This uh, is not uh, unwoke. If you have the N word in it, what would you call that version? Right, right. How could they even do that? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, there is a time and place where I mean that word obviously is the worst. Um, I mean, I, sure. I, apparently, 100%. also Trump thinks there's another N word, uh, nuclear. I, I heard that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> there, there are two, two N words you never say, one, and, and one of them is yeah. Guy, that's a little yeah. off. Well, okay, so uh, this episode brought to you by Flipping Out Pinball and the letter N, sponsored by Most importantly, maybe, are what supplements have you taken today and are you on any right now? Um, since I'm kind of springing you on this, let me, let me tell you what I've done today. Uh -huh. I woke up, had some caffeine, you know, and coffee. Okay. Mm -hmm. I had uh, mm -hmm. my NMN. Uh, you know, uh, and then on an empty stomach, I had my AG1 slash athletic greens, as you know, Ooh. and then I poured myself a nice frothy glass of BCAAs before I hit the gym. Holy shit. Yeah, man, come on. <laughs> what, am I going to wake up and drink water? <laughs> I woke up. I wake up every day and I have a, uh, a, a glass of athletic greens. Mm -hmm. But I also I also throw five grams creatine. of creatine yeah. in there. Bad boy, I knew it. Yeah, yeah. I, I forgot to mention. Gotta have it. Yeah, right. And like like back when I was younger and you used to do that, it was kind of like a meathead thing. Everybody's on creatine, but uh, man, people really need to with all the new research out there. Um, mentally, yeah. you you need you need creatine. It it thwarts like Alzheimer's and dementia and all kind of great stuff and. Uh, yeah, so it's not it's not just a, a meathead thing anymore. No, but it is also a meathead thing, and I, uh, you know, I, <laughs> you know, I, I also take creatine, had fish oil, and it, you know, now I'm back on BCAAs uh -huh. round two because I haven't eaten in a while, you know, and I got to keep my, uh, you know, Ooh. my protein th synthesis up because I'm a athletic kind yeah. of guy, mm -hmm. uh, which is true. You and I, I mean, people out there maybe think we're fucking around, but you know, I, I'm a big gym rat, uh, and you are too. Yeah. I'm, I am. I, I'm a member of uh, two gyms. I work out at an MMA gym and do jujitsu there. And, uh, and then also, uh, LA fitness. Yeah. I'm, 
man, I, I have to be, I, I have to be super active. It's important. Yeah. Dude. Mentally. Uh, I, I'm more of a weightlift and uh, yep. boxer for cardio, but uh, you know, did a lot of martial arts in my, in my day. And here we are today. So I know people are tuning in to hear about, you know, our uh, athletic lives and our supplements, but there was actually a question mm-hmm. <laughs> we emailed in at the pinball party podcast at gmail.com. And someone asked what supplements make you better at pinball? Um, and, and that's a great question. I think there is one correct answer and that, uh, answer is cocaine. Um, I guess, I don't know if that's <laughs> technically a supplement, but, uh, everything I know, everyone I know who's played pinball on cocaine has done better than if they were not on cocaine. Um, you know, other supplements, I think it's, it starts with cocaine and it's a far drop off. You know, people say alcohol. Yeah, yeah. It depends. It depends how many drinks you have also. Yeah. Cause you get a drink or two and then you're kind of in that pocket. Right. Just like smoking weed, you yep. could have like a hit or two and you're like, all right. Then you go too far. Yeah, and then you're you know, you're like, oh, no, I got it. This is what it is. And then, and then you've blown it uh, and you're fucked. Uh, that is a great question. I think, you know, legitimately, none. Uh, but probably, you know, you're going to want your creatine. Mm-hmm. You're going to want your AG1 um, sponsored by Athletic Greens. Yeah. We're, pre, we're pre-sponsored by Athletic Greens, meaning we're trying to get sponsored by them so they can pay our bills. Um, so this episode, yes, please, please write them, find their email and tell them we talk about them all the time. Yeah. Uh, and tell them we're sponsored by the letter N that should get their interest. They're going to really want to support this kind of show. Uh, uh, there you go. But another uh, email that, that wrote in, uh, was Jason, uh, it was dear Jason or kale with a K meaning, you know, mm-hmm. you have either of you guys contacted. Okay. I'm pe- ready. Okay. Have either of you guys contacted people on pin side, uh, let me just say, I guess, if there's any listeners out there that don't know what Pinside is, that's fine. Uh, if you're listening to this, I guess I don't know why you wouldn't know. But if you don't, Pinside is kind of the the official place to buy and sell used pinball machines. I, guess I say official quote because like there's no protection. So, yeah, like if you get screwed on a game, uh, which I have, uh, and we'll have a story about that soon. Mm-hmm. Um, use no protection. Get wrecked. You know, it's just that's how it happens. Anyway, back to the email. Have either of you guys, vegetable or human, Kale or Jason, contacted people on Pinside about mm-hmm. potential trades or sales based on someone's collection, not what they have up for sale or trade? I am looking at potential trades for my Avengers Infinity Quest and not sure if I don't have it figured out, TM, or if emailing people about their collection not up on the boards is wrong. <laughs> So he goes into thanks for the entertainment week. Um, very nice, very nice guy, <clears throat> a fellow cheesehead, meaning lives in Wisconsin. Um, loves loves the oh, work, cool. loves Neon Dale, all that stuff. So thanks, Ryan, for writing in. I have my thoughts, Kale. What do you think of of going looking to trade or sell your Avengers Infinity Quest and going under people's My Collection tab on Pinside and offering up trades, not based on something that someone may have listed or not. Sure. I, I, I have never done it, but I think it's totally fine. Cause I mean, if these people are posting, Hey, this is what I have. I, I don't think it's a big deal to drop a message and be like, Hey, do you, are you going to come off that, uh, I don't know, BSD or whatever anytime soon? You know, I, I'm, I'm interested. Uh, I, I, I haven't done it, but I don't see what the problem is with it. So I guess I, my answer is the antithesis, but I'm like, as as much as you're in the arcade and dealing with pinball machines, 
Mm-hmm. I'm on Pinside like a like a freak uh, around the, swimming around the the World Wide Web. Um, it seems to be in bad sure. taste to reach out to someone just based on mm-hmm. their collection, saying like, "Hey, I noticed you have a Lord of the Rings." I mean, I, I agree with you. I want to live in a world <clears throat> where someone reaches out to me. I don't take offense. I'm not like, "Well, fuck you." But most times, people will either a ghost you, not respond, or be like not for sale and they'll say it with like all caps they'll say bolted like they want to make you feel bad for even asking so if you want to be safe don't do that i would just look for people that have a wanted list for aiq or better yet what works the best for me if i'm trying to get rid of a game or sell a game or trade a game is yeah post it but find your local forum on pinside so for me wisconsin there's a wisconsin slash minnesota forum which is basically a collection of people within driving distance talking about what they may trade, what they may list, you know, so you can get ahead of it. Or instead of having to post it and and dealing with people uh, reaching out to you and offering you like 50% under your asking price and and you want to kill them, you know, you can just be like, hey, I'm going to list a, um, a viral party monster soon. You know, if anyone's interested, reach out. Um, or, hey, I have an Avengers Infinity Quest premium, whatever it may be up for trade if anyone's interested hit me up you'll i get much more traction that way than like digging through just private collections and be like hey i see you have this game do you want to sell it move it trade it whatever um so most states will have like a you know what's for sale in new york i know that's one there's wisconsin minnesota one there's a california there's probably multiple multiple california threads but that's my best advice is go on one of those forums and start poking around and offering up even if someone isn't interested they'll be like oh yeah i know a guy lives down the road he's been you know talking about it or whatever uh, so that's my advice how do you guys go kale about do you guys ever buy used games at the bat or are you like strictly new or oh all okay. the time but yeah most of most of our games are used um Rachel has been in the scene for so long. Uh, she usually has people who contact her. Really? So we don't, yeah, we don't ever like actively look for machines. People, people in the scene out here like go, Hey, you know, I, I need to sell this. I'm going to, you know, get in touch with Rachel first. <coughs> like, the- yeah. So it's, so we're kind of lucky. So like, Oh, way. I want to sell a game. Let me just see if she wants it before. Yep. And that's what kind of happens when you when you do this a lot. And I get shit weekly, even no matter how much I do this, no matter how many people either listen or I do this in real life, buy, sell games quickly, sometimes very quickly. It never fails that people or someone either gives me shit for it or questions like, I don't know how you do that. Why do you do it? It's, it's just like that. When you, when you build a network of people mm-hmm. that do it, I mean, it's just like a text away. Um, there's another guy local here that him and I have been, well, him helping me up more than more than him uh but uh you know we will check with each other what what we have for sale or what we've been trading what we've been doing and i know recently he had a game it was only like two days before he had it listed um and it's already gone it's been a week but sometimes you get a game that you just don't like and when you have an eat a, a connection of people like let's say five to ten of these people doing the same thing it is not hard to get rid of a game for what you paid for it give or take a hundred bucks or vice versa or i'm looking for a trade do you know anyone i mean it's pretty easy so when people are like i don't know how you do it like well i don't i mean it's pretty easy man to just it's not a big deal it's 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 the same as it it just it seems like a lot of work because these machines are big and heavy yeah and i agree Uh, and and they say that but going back to our like first discussion when like when you're at the gym like six days a week, a lot lifting weights, like yeah, these machines are mm-hmm. heavy, 
but it's almost like, you know, when you enjoy the gym and enjoy the physical stuff, like I kind of enjoy it, you know, lifting heavy shit and doing, you know, being oh, active. For sure. So for me, it's, I kind of enjoy it to a certain extent. That's your fetish. <laughs> that is my fetish. Maybe it's not as true with um, Bram Stoker's Dracula. That's a heavy fucking game. But I Ooh. did recently pick that up. And I, I got to tell you, I am blown away buy that game consistently. It's so good. Love it. When I played it at, um, I was going to say John's house locally, uh, one of the guys that, you know, do some pinball stuff with, I was, I had played it in the past on location or whatever in bad lighting or the flippers were shitter. You know, the, the classic conditions were an arcade that doesn't take super good care. And that game, when it's not set up right, and I don't mean set up, as in like an excuse where people are like, oh, you didn't set it up right. Like where you had to bust a game and you had to fix some shit. No, like it's like it's not level or like the flippers don't fucking work. That's what I mean by like not set up. But if it's not right. and they only have lightning flippers, it's it can be a bitch and you can't really get your feel for it. And and the ramps are at the tip of the flippers on those games. So like the the, the shots aren't as intuitive right off the bat um, in other games. Mm-hmm. But when you play it, as intended, which intended was actually regular size flippers. And uh, with, I'll say, good lighting, because I think that makes a huge difference to that game, and sound, there's no game sans, in my, that I've played, sans Stranger Things Premium that gets a mood quite like Dracula, where it's dark, it's dungeon-y, even the original audio is great, but I put a pin sound board in mine. But it's so creepy, and it's not tongue-in-cheek, really, except for the I only or I never drink wine. I mean, other than that kind of humor, it's it's like takes itself seriously. It's like, hey, yo, this is a fucking horror game. Fuck you. You're right. I, I get the same feel. It just it's it sets a mood. The the way the game looks. The way it feels and and the sound, it really does set a, a, an interesting mood. And the rules are very simple, mind you. And, you know, I've done the 30 yep. million a bunch already. And for yep. those who don't know, the, the, there's not really wizard mode. There's not, there is no wizard modes in the game. There's essentially three multi-balls. And if you stack, if you get one of them, you'll get 10 million points for every shot. So you hear him say 10 million if you stack two multi-balls, you hear him say 20, and the kind of golden goose is when you get all three of them, he'll say 30 million, and it's pretty badass. That's kind of yeah. what you go for, and then you rinse and repeat. And so it's simple as shit. The rules are simple as shit, so you don't have to really think much when you're playing it. You just get to enjoy the, the mood, the, the world under glass, as they say. You enjoy everything about it. Did, did you know... That you can roll BSD? I heard you mention what Walt did it, right? Walt did it. I caught it on tape. I had it on... Do, oh, do we still call yeah, it on call tape? tape? I didn't... Okay, yeah. we call it tape. I caught it on tape. Uh, I, uh, we did a stream, and it's... I think it's still on our Twitch channel. If not, I did uh, download it. I'm going to put it on a upcoming YouTube channel for Electric Bat. But... There is, um, there's nothing in the software that takes the score past 10 billion. So once you hit 10 billion, your score goes to zero and you just start over. 
So you can actually roll BSD. So have fun with that. Uh, one. I think maybe that's the kind of wizard mode to me then. Because yesterday I had a, um, so I had a few issues with, my, I'll tell you, actually tell you what my issues were in a second. But I had like a 25 minute game yesterday and I got, uh, you know, 3 billion something, 3, 3 billion. Wow. And, you know, 30 million over and over and over. And it was a good fucking game. Um, and I was wondering like, oh my God, do you roll it at 99 billion? Cause that'll take me like six hours. <laughs> but so I got the game home and I didn't get to play it for like a week. So I got it home, bought it on pin side, good price. Uh, dude's got to figure it out, all that kind of shit. Um, and it came with a color DMD led, which I think a color led in that game is uh, 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I wanted to change some of the GI lighting to blue, which I think in that game adds a nice flavor. Normally, I don't change GI outside of white or, or warm white or anything like that. But that game with blue down by the flippers, oh, shit, it's so good. So like an idiot, I didn't turn the power off because I'm like, oh, I change bulbs all the time. And yeah, in the past, I've shorted a fuse and Lord of the Rings and all the GIs go up. I was like, fuck it, I got a million fuses. Yeah, so I was changing a bulb and touched the metal. And it restarted. I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I it restarted and everything was fine. I'm like, all right, cool. And then I started noticing three of the drop or not drop targets, the um the stand-up targets to light castle locks weren't working. I'm like, oh, maybe I didn't I missed that when I was initially playing it. And let me do a couple switch tests. Like, oh, all three of them out. Okay. Uh then I tried to do Miss Multiball and it totally didn't work. And then long story short, all the switches in a column completely blue. John came over. We tested some fuses. We tested this. We tested that. We're like, yeah, I think you totally blew a chip. Cool. Fuck. You know, day one, just blew a chip that I did not want to suddenly do board work. And I'm not good at board work aside from, uh, you know, I, I could solder, but that small, I've just never done it before. So ordered some chips and uh, I was like, fuck, am I going to get a rotten dog board and just replace this? I was chatting with you and Rachel and she said, yeah, it's probably U20 and U20 is a popular chip to blow. Long story short, John finally helped get that thing uh, out. We got a new chip in. He actually had one even the night when we were checking it out. Uh, Anyway, put it back in, fix it so something I could play it again. So I've been playing it nonstop and then adding pin sound to it, changing the lights. I was painting some of the red that was faded, which is very popular in that game. And it's to me, it's like one of those games, you know, just I like taking care of it. I like fixing the stuff because then you play it and it's just fucking a million bucks. So that's been my last week is, is Dracula. Sounds like a good time. What have you been playing aside from, you know, every game you have at the arcade? Once again, I've just been playing the shit out of Godfather. This is no a, shit. This, this is a sweet game, man. This is this is a lot of fun. Yeah, and I'm I'm learning more about it. I have the the players like telling me how to get my <clears throat> my my multiplier up, and you have to use the action button, which I didn't realize. There's there's so much going on with this game. I think you need to give it a second chance. Yeah, I gotta find one to give it a second chance. Uh, I might next weekend. Well, I bet Zach could, at flipping out could fix that for you. <laughs> yeah, send it to me for free, guy. Please. <laughs> I got, I got to stop saying guy. I've been saying guy a lot the last couple of weeks. Yeah, is, what is that? Is that a Wisconsin thing? No, it's like a it's like saying jabroni kind of. It's it's like almost a subtle insult. I think when you're like, yeah, guy. I might you know? try it. I'm gonna try it. Yeah, it's bad. So I've so now I got a ha- habit of saying it. Um, yeah, I got to stop saying guy. I so I've been playing a lot of Dracula. Um, I've been outside of Dracula trying to take a break from 
newer stuff. I don't know what it is, but as as deep as newer stuff gets, what do you I, mean newer machines? Yeah. Okay, you you go you going back, you're rewinding it. You're doing some classics. I'm rewinding it. Um not because of like, oh fuck new stuff. I'm you know, Stearns are great and and I really do like them. Mm-hmm. But there's something about some of the older stuff that it's it's not mechs. Like I know a lot of times people are like, oh, it's 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 mechs that that make the games. They don't do them like they used to. I I, I don't think that you have to have a mech to make something great. Like Ramsorcus Dracula, yeah, it has Miss Multiball. It's a mech, but the game is like half the price of a new Stern. So if mechs are the answer, it's 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 mechs. But I think sometimes people use mechs as a crutch saying they have to have loaded bombs and mechs. But that's like saying that video games have to have awesome graphics. Otherwise, they suck. Because it's not true. It's not true. Look at Tetris. Fuck, Tetris. Right? Yeah, look look at, yes, look at all the Zelda games. Mm-hmm. Look at most of the Mario games, some of the best games out there. Like graphics are, yeah, they're, they're important, but that's that's not the main thing. Mechs and, then a, and, and cabinet art. Sometimes people are like, oh, I, I hate the way the, the cabinet on the left looks or, the, or, or whatever. It's like, you're not going to play Super Mario Brothers 3 because the box art is yellow? Is that your fucking thing? <laughs> like, shut the fuck up about cabinet art. We we don't ever see cabinet art. We we right. put it we put it in the slot and you never see it. So, uh, yeah, you That's don't get any said. complaints. Yep. What? Hey. Hey-o. Hey-o. <laughs> um, they- <laughs> well, I, I get like the back class, like you once in a while look up, like, look at it, like, oh, yeah, cool. But like, oh, mm-hmm. I can't possibly look at that. I got to get an alternate translate. Oh, my eye. Like, fuck, man. The people that the stuff that people complain about is fucking nonsense. Granted, the stuff I complain about is, is nonsense as well. Right. It's all nonsense. Yeah. Actually, none of this means anything to tell you the truth. No. <laughs> No, including this podcast. Yeah. Okay. We're, so let's uh, let's get out of here. You guys yeah. can go do something else that was really meaningful. Yeah. All right. Say hello to the family for me. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's it's what Sunday at five p.m. my time, three p.m. your time. Yeah. We're recording in a supercomputer, talking our opinions about fucking pinball. <laughs> <laughs> and That's we just, love it. We I love can't. It. I can't get enough of this. I would it's, do it every day. It's so dumb. Yeah. Isn't it? Pinball is just dumb. Yeah. Oh, oh speaking of, did, did you watch the uh, the uh, District 82 tournament this weekend? It just no. ended. No. Oh. Give, me the, give me the shit. Give me the 101. Fo- um, Fox City's Pinball, they, they always stream these tournaments. They're three-day tournaments. Uh, I, I can't remember. I didn't watch Friday. It might be classics. But then on, on, on Saturday, you had 20 rounds of qualifying and then and then today which is sunday you had you had the finals man these guys were were just on their feet for three solid days playing uh pinball um jared ended up winning uh i think it was some good prizes like a few thousand dollars and a cool trophy um but it's all on twitch go back and check it out fox city's pinball you can you can check out the finals it it was fun You, you don't watch too much competitive pinball do you no, and I, I don't know why because I don't have a good reason. If it's um, if it's older shit, mm-hmm. I'm kind of like I don't. I, well, I don't know the game, so I'm not really learning much. Um, uh, yeah, and you'll probably not don't have one around where you could play it. 
Yeah. If I tune in and it's something like, to be honest, if I was watching and it was something I knew like the back of my hand, like Star Trek or Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. or I guess now Dracula, I'd watch. Uh, I'd watch it. I... <laughs> I tune in sometimes just to see, like, who, or, you know, to be honest, if I know someone or, like, say hello and chat or, or that kind of thing. But, yeah, I don't – yeah, they're, they're pretty boring in general uh, to watch. It's like watching a golf tournament. Eh, not always. Mm-hmm. You know, some people do it right. It's not a knock against the, the, the people streaming it. Sure. You, no, you have to have good commentators to – yeah, because sometimes there's a lot of dead air. Is Is District 82 near you? Nearer than it is to you, yeah. By it's okay. about it's about yeah. three hours. Okay, about three, two forty-five, three hours. Yeah, and I've, I've been meaning to go there. Sometimes they have really wonky um, hours of when they're open, but it's. I think to me, it's the best place to pay play pinball in like a five hundred mile radius. It looks argue. amazing. Yeah, the, I checked. Uh, speaking of wonky hours, I, I checked their hours because I wanted to see what their whole deal was. And it was like every day closed. Right. Open open Saturday. Yeah, is and that so, re- is that for real? Yeah, from what I <laughs> w- when I first heard about, it, like yeah, it's open on Tuesdays sometimes, kind of. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> um, like great. So I'm not going to drive on a Tuesday because that's a six hour round trip. And they go, oh, uh-huh. yeah, no, but it's open on Saturdays for league players. Okay, uh, well next weekend it's open on Tuesday for like one hour for for like five different people. And like, all right, what the fuck? So I just can't figure out when they're open. Yeah. So I'm just like, fuck, I, I don't know. But I do hear that I think even for the casuals when they're there, they they make all their games brutal AF because they're always doing tournaments. So if I go in there and I'm playing um, a game, like all the posts are gone. The flippers are probably even gone. They remove everything. Just like, fuck it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. Just know? bump the machine. Yeah. yeah. I've yeah. heard the same thing. I, I, and I heard they had the most uh, brutal uh, stern Star Trek. Um, yeah. I'm going to have really? to fly. Yeah. Specifically They've- that game. Yeah, they've, you know, of course, all the machines are jacked up. You know, they have like probably have four inch leg levelers on the on the rear legs. But um, yeah, they remove a bunch of posts and they, and they have to for for these tournaments. I mean, they're having guys, some of the best guys in the world flying in. Uh, they They have to have these games tuned like that. You brought up Star Trek and mm-hmm. I've been wrestling with this for a while. Getting another one? Which I fucking will. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. It was my first game that I bought quickly. For, I, I like Star Trek as a theme. Grew up with Star Trek Next Generation, and Star Trek's just awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's great. That's correct. Yep. <laughs> and I have yet to find a game that feels as good to play as that game. To this day, I like a lot of other games better overall, but as far as like shut my mind off and just play... It's Star Trek. And I had a pro a couple times, just that's how the cookie crumbles. And then I had an LE because you have to, you know, that game is like the best LE that some people say it's pimp to the nine. And I played it and I wanted to see how big of a difference some of the changes were. The lighted warp ramp, um, the, the, the Vuck and the left. There's not a lot of changes. Asteroids, right? The asteroid. Yeah. Yeah. The, the baked potatoes. And the metal, uh, well, the stars, when you click on multiball and the star field comes out. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, it made a huge difference. But the LE being, like, when I had it, it was like $10,500. I was like, all right, I, I think there's a big enough difference. But you never see the side light rails. There's red lights on the side of the, the LE. And, and some of the things, like, it's really nice. But I think a premium is the right price for that game. So, yeah, I want to get a premium. And I'm in, I'm in, the, I'm in the process, actually, kind of, if, if he's... 
listening. Uh, yeah, um, I might have one soon because it's it's the game for me. It's it's like Super Mario World on on Super Nintendo, where like when I just want to play a game that feels great to play, I know everything about it and just play it. It's Star Trek every time, no matter how much I like Jurassic Park or Dracula or Lord of the Rings or Black or Ghostbusters or all of my favorite games. Star Trek is the one that is always the most fun to play for me personally. Yeah. I don't know what it is about that game. Do you have one that's like, hey, this this is your thing? Yeah. Uh huh. I right now it's it is BSD. No shit. Ever since I played that game with Walt, it, it gave me like a newfound confidence to try to like I'm I'm not gonna get 10 billion. Maybe but 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 the way he was explaining it and uh and and you know talking me through it, it just gave me uh, a, a newfound confidence in that game where I used to dread getting that game in a tournament because everybody would kick my ass. Uh so I that that's one I kind of go to when I just like I uh, want to take a break at the arcade uh, and I'll uh, I'll pop that thing open and put a few credits on it. Did but he Star, give- Star Trek is amazing also. Did did Walt give you any like specific BSD tips that were? No, it's just I've I've always kind of learned from just like watching people, yeah, and just and, and watching him play and and how he can just like repeat the ramp shots over and over. And he's like, "Look, it's easy. It's like it's like butter." And I'm like, "You know, this this is all on our Twitch channel. You know, if you want to go check it out." But um, it, that is if the video is still there. I will put it on the YouTube channel and let everybody know about that. But just the the way, and it, it wasn't even a tutorial. It's just watching him play, and he makes it look so easy. It's kind of like I don't know if you ever uh, were into skateboarding. Mm-hmm. You know, when you watch Tony Hawk, and you're like. That's all you have to do, and, you know, and, but then you try it, and it's it's oh. hard. But it, but it gives you a little uh, a boost of confidence just watching these pros play uh, or or skate. You know, it just uh, it, it it makes you want to get out there and do it. I know what you mean about the skateboarding, but I remember that scenario. I'm like, oh, it's just a kickflip. Okay, let me just oh fucking <laughs> fl-. and then like hits you in the balls. You fall over. You break your fucking yeah. wrist. It, yeah, big I had a buddy that cut his balls open doing that. No joke, my Jesus. best friend. Christ. Yeah, he told me all about it, and I I didn't look at it though. But uh, he said he could see, he, he could see his boss. <laughs> <laughs> the soundboard is great, man. Uh, you should have played that song for him, right? I slowly um, I drifted towards mainly doing manuals and skateboarding towards the end because mm-hmm. you know I could ollie, I could kickflip a little bit, I could do the kind of you know. Not well, but manuals to me, I knew this kid named Scott, you know, after school or on the weekends, everyone, you know, get high or whatever and skateboard and, you know, just crank music and it's fucking awesome. You know, back in the 90s, shit was cool. Yeah. Uh, And he could manual indefinitely. He would go like, no shit. 100 yards manualing just blip for those who don't know it's like a wheelie on a skateboard you're just on the back two wheels or the front two wheels he could nose manual uh tail manual is it a tail manual or just rear so, I, forget what it's I, called. Don't I don't uh, know he would just either manual. way it's hard yeah but he would just he's like you know toss me the peace sign just manual all the way around i was like man that's kind of a low risk move that's still pretty fun 
Yeah. Because you can kind of keep yourself. You don't have to like worry about kicking the skateboard into your sack and splitting it open or, you know, that's, break that's it. what I'm talking about. Some people are just built different and can pull things off effortlessly. I and wanted, I, yeah, I wanted to like, hey, wrap a pillow around me, put a nut cup on, put <laughs> wrist guards on, put a helmet. But you can't at that age. You can't be a right. puss. You can't right. put on the gear. You got to like, mm-hmm. no, do it. Do it. Like, all right, I'm going to break something. And then you do it and you break something. And you're like, yeah, cool. Yeah. Fuck, man. Being a teenage guy was awesome. God, it was good. And it also was intimidating as shit. Yeah. Right now, it's much better. Oh, yeah. Don't you think? No, I don't give a fuck. 40s? 40s is great. Man, man, 40s is so good, guys. Wait till you get here. Yeah. Like, (laughs) (laughs) your body stops working as well as it should. Yeah. But you got shit figured out and you kind of know like hey, this is what i care about this and is you whatever. just you just wake up not giving a fuck yeah I mean, like, it is good it feels good look at us we're recording a <laughs> pinball podcast we clearly don't give a fuck um for, for free for, for for free yeah all you patreon describers describers patreon prescribers yeah. describe go give other people money we don't like it doesn't matter <laughs> everyone's asking for fucking money now um oh, go give it to God. zach give it to joel give it to canada who gives a shit yeah uh it's just money in fact yeah if you <laughs> we should as a i don't know we need to pay for like this this online software but other than that we should we should start kicking out patreons does anyone else do that Get the fuck out of here. I don't yeah, want your money. No, we don't want it. Get out. Um, <laughs> we should do that. Really lean into it. Well, hey, speaking of, uh, we've been bullshitting a lot here. Um, we have a special guest we're bringing on. Someone I'm, I'm pretty excited to talk to. Uh, it's, I want to say it's Mike Vinicor. I, I want to Vinicor, K-O-U-R, yep. um, of many uh, pinball fame. Um, you hooked this up. Where do you know him from? So Mike and I met when we were promoting Stern and Marco Specialties on the pinball circuit. We used to we used to tour around and do all of the uh, the big pinball conventions, and it was an absolute blast. I mean, we we basically lived together for three or four days, um, and and just hang out. We would eat together. We would we would go. Uh, uh, He's a, he's a big record collector, and uh, so we would go to uh, go search the crates at local record shops and go find cool places to eat, and uh, and then do pinball all day. Fuck. All right. Well, let's ask him about it. Let's bring in Mike. I, I could swear you guys are saying I could use I could use toilet words. Excellent. Absolutely, all of them, all of them. Um, Mike Vinicor, welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me. It's great to be here. Man, it's so good. It's so good to hear your voice. I missed you. Uh, we, we used to spend a lot of time on the road. And uh, uh, I know you, you were going to come visit us. What happened? What were you doing? You know, I got really busy working on James Bond, which I'm still working on, among my other many jobs at Stern. So it just, I had a few months off the road because part of my job, as you know, because this is how you and I met, was I go on tour to those pinball shows with Marco. And uh, I had a few months off between like the beginning of December and the, be- the beginning of March. And I had every intention of going to Phoenix to escape the <laughs> I just, I was just too busy and I couldn't get away. I'm just like, man, I can't take a week off now. Like I'm swamped. Okay, so now you have to tell me, why can't you come visit me now? What are you working on? Well, I'm, I'm still working on it. 
But on top of yeah. that, like I'm also doing, I'm also finishing up the expression lights for Foo Fighters at the same time. Oh, so, ship those! Wow, um, man. Well, so the LE is, I, you know, I have no knowledge about what we build anymore because I work, I've been working from home for three years, so I couldn't mm-hmm. tell you what's on the line. But if I if I believe what I read on the internet, then I think the the Foo Fighter LEs are probably on the line right now. But I don't know yeah. that for sure. Don't quote me because I really. The internet knows more than me because I'm not at the building very often. Funny. What is technically your your title at Stern? Oh, my my title at Stern is associate game developer. So I'm like, okay. I guess you could say like I'm a junior designer at this point. I don't do playfields, but I do. A, it depends on the team. I help a lot of with rule design depending on the team I work with, and I've done the expression lights for every game that's had them, which has been three games now. And I used to be in charge of our software testing, but I no longer do that because I moved up. So now we have some nice. new software testers. Uh, some of them, one of them has been around for a while, but um, that task has been passed off largely to two other people. Very cool. And okay. for the folks at home, if you play a Stern pinball machine and see MXV, that, that, that that's Mike. And if you hit the MXV skill shot, Mike came up with that skill shot. How many games have the MXV skill shot? Four, right now it's four, and Bond will get one eventually, so it'll be five then. Ooh, and I have to juicy give credit to, And it was uh, Keith Elwin is the one that made the MXV skill shot a thing in Iron Maiden. Because I came to him, I'm like, hey, I just I, like I did this in your game when we were working on that, developing that thing. I'm like, you should make it a skill shot. And Keith's like, well, why don't I make it the MXV skill shot? I'm like, really? Like my eyes got all big. I'm like, I thought he was just ribbing me. I'm like, are you? I'm like, are you for real? He goes, yeah. He goes, let's make it a thing, and then I'll put one in all my yeah. games. Now, all my games apparently there was a limit of two, but but I didn't get one in Avengers, and I I don't I don't currently have one in Godzilla. But there is one. But he made it a thing, and I owe it all to him because mm-hmm. I came to him with the idea, thinking you should just put this in your game. He goes, well, why don't we name it after you? So thank you, Keith. You're Allen. like the the toasty guy in Mortal Kombat. Kind of, yeah. Pinball. I guess the because um, people now it's weird. People like will ask me at shows, "Hey, is there an MXV skill shot in what you know? Pick a new game." And uh, it's really uh-huh. like flattering that people like that. They, you know, all of my skill shots I designed were like really hard ones and very challenging, but they're also really satisfying when you do get them. So I guess people like took a liking to them, and now they ask about it. Is your skill shot? Do you have one in Jurassic Park? I do. Yeah, it's the is hardest it where one. You, yeah, like where you have to hit the uh, the, the way left, right? The it's C a four way combo. So oh, okay. You, so the one in Jurassic Park is you have to you plunge, you know, like and you hit left ramp, and then uh, geez, it's left ramp, right? It's yeah, it's the four way combo that includes both ramps, the side loop, and the side ramp. Yeah, and I'm okay. trying to remember the order now. I, th- I think it's left I ramp, hit right it ramp, one time side ramp. Yeah, I only I only hit it one time, and I took a photo of it. And I got so excited, I freaked out, and I sent Mike <laughs> a, a picture. You know, he's like, "Good job, man. That's a tough one." I was I've I've only been able to hit it once. How'd you get a picture? Does it like come up right away? It says well, like it's it said I, I I may have just sent him a picture of me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, look I mean, at me. Yeah. It I mean it comes up on the screen, but you gotta be you gotta have your phone yeah. out to capture it basically ahead of time. You know, you gotta have confidence that you're gonna make it if you want to try to capture an image of this mm-hmm. the display effect. 
So I met you um, very briefly at uh, the MGC. I, I saw your the Foo Fighters panel. Um, and so you were mentioning working on Bond, but Foo Fighters, are you just working on the expression lightings for that game or is there other stuff you're working on? Just the, for Foo Fighters, I just am doing the expression lights. I had nothing to do with any of the other design, no, nothing to do with the rules on that one. Um, that was all the other okay. guys, you know. But uh, so the games that I did, the three games coincidentally that i did the expression lights for that was my aside from a few achievements maybe that was like my sole contribution to those titles was doing the light shows but i mean that's you're talking a couple months of my time to do those things yeah and when you say doing light shows are you in the computer designing when they go off how they go off or, or are you like physically making the lights or what are you doing on those uh, so i only do the expression lights i don't do the playfield lights although that's something i plan on learning at the, some point in the future right um but I I basically choreograph those expression lights to the songs using like a visual tool that they gave me to work with. So it's like okay. So so I lay out these effects and then and choreograph them to like to the actual songs. And so I'll spend a lot of time listening to the same three seconds of any given song at any given time. Well, um, you have that large collection of vinyl behind you. That can't be too torturous. Oh yeah, no, I love music. So when those like. Those the when we did Led Zeppelin, which is where we debuted the expression lights. Um, Tim Sexton was the software lead, so it was Tim, Mark Widarelli, and Tanya Kleiss cornered me in a Zoom uh, meeting one day, and they said, "Hey, any chance you would like to do try to take a stab at doing these expression light shows for Led Zeppelin?" They're like, "You're a concert photographer on the side. You're a huge music fan. Like, who better to do to try to make this thing look like a rock concert than you?" So they like they really knew how to like talk me up to like get me to go along with it, um, but I was real nervous because I'd never done anything like that before, and I didn't want to let the game or the team or the company down. So I'm like, all right, I'll do them, and I'm flattered that you're asking, and you guys have this kind of confidence in me. But don't be afraid to tell me if they suck because I want yeah. whatever's best for this project. And if it's not me, I promise you, I will not have any hurt feelings, and we'll all be cool. I just want what's best for the game. They're like, no, you'll be fine. Trust us. I'm like. All right, so they had a little bit more faith in me. I was just real nervous, you know? And, yeah, yeah. And so they give me the tool, and Tim gives me a crash course on kind of how it works. And he's like, all right, good luck. And then <laughs> I, spent, <laughs> I spent a few days mess, tinkering around with the thing for, like, one song. And then I showed him something, and he goes, he goes, you'll get better, but you're you're on the right path, you know? He goes, Put, try it in the game because you might – you might find it a little distracted. He was right. Like it was a little too flashy where it was like, okay, you know, I'm like, all right, I guess I was trying to induce seizures on that first light show. <laughs> so, but it was a learning experience. And then I quickly got like, got the hang of using that tool. And then when I started handing Tim stuff, he's like, oh yeah, this looks really cool. Like keep going. And everybody was really encouraging. And that just made me want to do it all the more. And then when the, the game came out and the community really like, like fixated on liking those light shows, I was like, it was hugely flattering. I'm like, wow, I can't believe like they, I did that. And these people really like it, you know? So Led Zeppelin, Rush, both just, you know, classic all-time bands mm -hmm. and Foo Fighters is getting there. Yeah. Not a knock against any of those three, but if you had to pick one band that you could, ex that you could design expression light kits for, I know what it'd be for me, but for you, what would oh, the God. band like? Oh. Well, my favorite band on planet earth is Skinny Puppy, which you would never make a pinball machine ah. of because like as cool as it would be, Shit. like there's no, 
they don't have the mainstream reach that you know you that would sell you many thousands of pinball machines you know like yeah. most of the customer base would be like who you know like i'd buy one <laughs> and rachel and kale would get one and and, 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 gavin, and gavin miller would buy one and the list might end there you know <laughs> kale how about you if you if you had to do expression lights for you sorry to put you on the spot any but... band yeah oh 100 percent muse shit yeah yeah okay Mine would probably be Tool, but it gets in that same kind of realm of like, and that's what like Rush, why like when I finally saw, I think it was Rush Premium, the one at uh, MGC, because I had the topper and everything, like the expression lights in that game. Fuck. So good. Thank you. That uh, that one was, took a particularly long time because their songs are so complex, but that also yeah. made, it made it easier to create in a way because they they did it wasn't just straight up rock beats and stuff there there was interesting time changes and cool guitar and keyboard type parts that really lent themselves well for me experimenting more with the effects versus Led Zeppelin which is why I think everybody likes the I like the Rush Light shows the best probably of the three games simply because the music really played a hand in driving what I did for them and uh but Tim also did a really cool thing with the topper where the topper lights mm-hmm. up there like read the data out of the expression light shows so they mimic oh, no that so if you watch the whole thing like when things are flashing left and right and in certain colors and the color wipes and stuff it's doing the same thing with the rgbs on the on either side of the topper and i thought that was a brilliant idea on his part like when he showed that to me i'm like wow that was such a great that was so cool wow yeah. now i have to buy a topper yeah but yes those yeah, we songs, have the game you know, some of those songs were super long you know so like you know, 15 to 18 minute song sometimes took me like almost a week to do the first pass of because you know i'm experimenting a lot with the different effects and the colors and like until i like it just feels right and then i then i move to the next few seconds of the song so i mean it's Jeez. it's really it, it changes the way that you like when i was married when I was working on Led Zeppelin, my now ex-wife used to say, you've ruined these songs for me because down in the basement, she could hear like me playing the same part of like cashmere over and over again for like hours, you know, like while I'm working. Oh yeah. She's like, you've <laughs> what do you see songs. when you're programming it? Do you see like a virtual like lanes? Of yeah, these I've, got, lights, I've got like a layout, you know, like a, a, a rendering of it on the screen. So okay. I could see in real time what I'm doing. Like I put the thing on there and then I play that segment and then, uh, yeah. and then, I'm like, okay, this feels right, or I'm like, nah, that's not working. And I just, it's just trial and error until I get what clicks in my eyes and in my mind of what I think it should look like. Since Foo Fighters is what most people are like top of mind right now, uh, was there a favorite working on Expression Light song, Foo Fighters, that, um, that you, know, you did? I have to admit that I wasn't the biggest fan of theirs. Not that I think that their songs are bad. They have great songs, but they were just everywhere, you know, like everywhere you went, like, yeah. like, Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters music was ever so I never bought those records because I could hear it all the time you know hear it like yeah. if I was in somebody's car and they had the radio on you'd see like videos in various places and uh so I'm really only mostly familiar with the big singles and uh I don't know if I have a favorite but I tell you after I started working on them I didn't I realized well, these guys have a lot of really great catchy songs so now like mm. on my short list is to buy some Foo Fighters records for my collection like Tanyo gave me he loaned me all the CDs like all the studio albums um yeah I'm looking at right at them they're on my coffee table I got to bring them back next time I ever stop in the office to return them but I copied them all to my phone you know so I could listen to them like I'm riding my bike or walking or something but I will buy the vinyl records at some point when I come across them at the stores 
Um, but I like. I gotta imagine Everlong was a pretty good mood lighting. That song. one was pretty good. Um, Run was pretty cool. Um, and uh, I think Holding Poison I thought was alright too. Like some of the ones, some of the ones that had a little bit more interesting changes in there, like tempo changes, were were yeah. the ones that were more fun for me to do because it it, it makes it easier to create effects that kind of match the music. So I know Kale knows you a lot better and that's kind of what we're doing here. So I want to uh, quickly do a segment before I pass over some of the stuff to Kale. It's, uh, we call it getting to know your balls. We are getting to know your balls. All right. So this is just usually a series of questions that kind of evolve over time of, you know, when guests are on just some, some pinball related stuff, some non pinball related stuff. <laughs> Since you're a stern employee, I'm not going to ask, you know, what's your favorite uh, pinball company and what's your least favorite pinball, right? But feel free to answer if, if you, if well, you so my favorite pinball to... company is stern pinball, of course, but uh, <laughs> ah, man. And, and okay, I'll tell cool. you like, that's a total shoot because when I wasn't a stern employee, they were still my favorite pinball company after Williams closed. And, That's and now yeah. I truly believe, and I would tell you this if I wasn't a certain employee, Stern's making yeah. better pinball machines now than we made in the 90s at Williams. I think oh. that's that's my opinion. We had a, not to derail my own segment, We uh, Kale and I were talking earlier a lot about Bram Stoker's Dracula. It's top of mind, and I've been playing it a lot lately. What's your, what's your thoughts on Bram Stoker's? It's in my top three, and it's one of the games that there's no amount of money that will get it to leave my basement. Wow. Shit. There you go. Yeah, like signed, sealed, and delivered. Yeah, I I uh, I have one. I love it. I, I got it really cheap when I worked at Williams, and nobody wanted them, and this one operator sold me three of them for like 400 bucks a piece. And, uh, Jesus. and i restored the one and i passed the other two along to my to a couple of good friends and uh i fell in love with that thing like i'd only played it on location a few times and it had those crappy lightning flippers on there which totally ruined the game by the way yeah and, uh, they agreed. were and also for you listeners at home that game was never designed to have those flippers and if barry Correct. was still here he would tell you that um, even it even says so in the manual. It's just have full length. Why did it happen? Why did they ship with them? there was Someone a German them? distributor that was really big on those, and he's like, "Yeah, I put these on every game. You should put them on the game. <laughs> it makes the games earn more because you know they're right. an eighth of an inch shorter, and then the ball times would go down. And uh, so they, it was a bad experiment that they tried on a few games, and uh, it just made all those games play like crap. So yeah, to double down on that, we mentioned that earlier that they were built with regular size flippers. Mike Vinicor of Stern also mentioned it was built. So all those out there who think this is like a Ghostbusters carrot flipper thing, any no, it was designed with regular flippers. I put them in mine right away too and realized when I had played them with lightning flippers that the ramps just felt shitty because it was like almost beyond the tip of the flipper right. every shot. Yeah, because they were just those ramps were designed for full. Uh, by the way, um, I can't speak to Popeye or Black Rose. Um, but none of the other games that had lightning flippers were designed and developed with lightning flippers. They all went on after the like, I, like as soon as they hit the line. So like Fishtails was supposed to have full lightning flippers. Dracula, Doctor Who, those were all meant to have full lightning flippers. Hmm. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, um, it's kind of a question similar to that. But what is your current favorite game? Godzilla. In Shit. I will tell you that up until Godzilla came out, the that was the most cliche answer. But if you asked me what my favorite game of all time pinball was, I would tell you the Adams family. There was a reason why mm. that game sold more than any other game. And Godzilla quickly dethroned that as that is now my favorite pinball machine of all time. 
What is it about it? Is it the whole package? The entire it, package. Like the theme, first of all, I'm a huge fan of the movies. So when I found okay. out we were doing Godzilla, I was ecstatic. And when I found out they gave it to Keith, I was beyond ecstatic. I'm like, God, if my name was George Gomez, that's the guy I would have handed the Godzilla to was, which is yeah. Keith. So um, I was super excited that he got to do that game. And it was everything. I mean, the guy, he had a home run so far every time he's been at bat, but that one was a grand slam. It was just everything about that play field's awesome. The stuff he came up with for the rules was just brilliant. Like the way he incorporated the theme. It even took something like Jet Jaguar, right? The guy was like in the worst Godzilla movie ever, and he made something fun out of it. You know, it's like, you know, putting him in like the extra ball animation and some of the other scenes. It was like, he just, everything, it just checks all the boxes of fun for me. And just theme integration, fun. The layout really speaks to my playing style. Like I feel like a better pinball player playing that one, just because it plays to my strengths. Um, just everything about it. Like I can't find any fault with that thing. Well, to give you uh, some emotional whiplash, if you're willing to share, what's one of your uh, biggest fears in life? Dying. <laughs> <laughs> correct Bing. that is the most correct answer we've had yeah. i mean and, as, and i almost did like less than two years ago i had a heart attack and uh oh jesus um, i'm fine now i actually totally got super lucky but that's the closest i've ever come and my biggest fear since i was a kid is dying and once i got past the teenage years i realized that like that's reality and i'm not invincible and now i'm yeah. afraid of pretty much everything <laughs> so- yeah same yeah <laughs> Oh man. Okay. Um, do you like love or hate fixing games? Pinball I machines? used to love fixing it and now I hate it. So when my games break, I just want to sell them. <laughs> Same dude. Wow. It, used Same. Be, it used to be really therapeutic to me. Like if, yeah. I, if like I was like troubled emotionally, like I go through a breakup or I'm just like depressed. I used to go down to my basement and like, re- and like shop out games and fix them. And that's why all my yeah. games play awesome because I had a lot of troubled years. <laughs> but but <laughs> at some point, and maybe it was like when I got back into the pinball side of the business that now when my games break, the last thing I want to do is fix them. I'm like, if I can't play them and they're broken, like I'll just get rid of them. Fucking A, man. Um, speaking of, do you have any horror stories from the secondary market from buying or selling or trading used games? Nah, no, the worst thing I could say, I got really lucky in that aspect. First of all, like as an, um, somebody that worked in the industry in the nineties, I was in the right place at the right time where I got a lot of great A-list titles for like a few hundred bucks, you know? So, um, man, so all my stories were good ones. I guess the worst <laughs> I guess the worst story was, and it's not even really that bad. It was just annoying, or at least it was annoying to me. Uh, this dude that play, used to play in a pinball league with me, I was selling my Star Trek Next Generation because I wanted to buy, I think I wanted to buy an Iron Maiden from work. So I asked the guy, because he like routes games. I'm like, hey, you want to buy my Star Trek Next Gen? And he goes, he goes, how much? And I gave him a price. And he's like, yeah, sure. So he comes over to my house to pick it up. He sends me the money. Like, first, I think he PayPal me the money, which already went against the rules. I'm like, no, you got to hand me cash. So, he, yeah. Oh, no, he sent me a check and then uh, he mailed it to me or something like that. And then I deposited the check. And then, like, a week later, he came to pick up the game. And he, for some reason, had in his head that I was selling my brand new Stern Star Trek. You know, like, <laughs> Star, I had a Star Trek Pro. Uh, and, yeah. And he's like, oh, wait, I thought I was buying the Stern game. I'm like, on what planet did you ever think that I would be selling my brand new game? Like for yeah. for that price, you know, like it would be way more money if I was selling that. 
And then he totally yeah. backed out of the deal. And I already committed to buy this game from work. I'm like, and that's where the money was coming from. So I had to, uh, so then I had to put the game up for sale. I think I put an ad on Pinside or something and I got a buyer pretty quick and I got the money I was looking for and it was, all, it ended happily, but man, I was irritated. I'm like, you knew, I'm like, there's no way I ever said I was selling my Stern Star Trek, you know? Yeah. Uh, did it happen to be like three years ago and did it have black powder coating on it? No, I no, it, it was, uh, okay. well, when did we make Iron Maiden five years ago? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it was, it was about five years okay. ago. Close to that. <clears throat> All right. Uh, what's something that you're grateful for in life? Jeez. I can only list one. I'll tell you, I'm in my, in, in the age I've become and going through like a lot of health scares. I've become incredibly grateful for most things in life that I probably took for granted most of my life, but I'm most grateful first and foremost for my sister because she's my little sister, but you know, she's four years younger than me, but she's very much like an older sibling in the way that she's always, she's looked out for me ever since our mom and our grandmother passed away when we were young. And, uh, Mm. and to this day, my sister is the one person I can count on more than anybody in life. And she's always there for me all the time. Like, she goes well above and oh, beyond shit. any kind of sibling duty of like taking care of her big brother. And, uh, really? Yeah. So I'm grateful for her first, but I'm grateful for all my friends that I've, I've been very blessed in life to meet a lot of great people and hold on to them as friends for as long as since I've met them. And, you know, I can always, there's so many of them that I've been able to count on over the years just to be there for me for any number of reasons. And like, I love them like family. So I'm really appreciative of that as well. Like I've been very blessed in life to meet a lot of great people and hold on to them where I still have a connection with them many years, sometimes decades later. That's um, it's interesting when you're younger. uh, All I cared about was, yeah, like uh, I got to see the new star Wars movie, no matter what, no matter fucking what, no matter what happens, I got to get the next pack of cigarettes. I got to fucking buy an eighth of weed or got to do whatever. (laughs) And then now it's the answers are much more like that. We're like, yeah, I just need, people that trust me and i trust them and love and it's just it's weird how it ends up being that way i was very kid, you- i was very much the same way like all i cared about was like collecting records like going to the arcade skateboarding and like going to shows you know concerts and like yeah and take the skateboarding out and that's still my life but uh, for the most yeah. part <laughs> but i've got like the wisdom and the to and like you know uh i guess the wisdom now at my age to like see the bigger picture and appreciate life i think it like losing so many people over the years you know way too soon i think made me have a greater appreciation of like people over things it sucks that it takes that to make it happen it does yeah i've lost last year was rough i lost three friends you know all of which died way too soon you know and uh it makes you realize how short life can be and and like I try to appreciate the moments that I have with people now as it's happening. I can't always do it still, even though I know I, I should. There's still sometimes, I mean, you get caught up in shit. It's true. It's yeah. Like, like I do, I'm guilty of that as well, but I've gotten a lot better at like at least appreciating the good things in life as they're happening instead of looking back later and thinking, man, why didn't I appreciate that when I was going through it? How do you do it? Do you have to like tell yourself or you've just naturally gotten to the point where like you just do? I think, uh, I don't know. I guess it's a combination of like going through a lot of rough shit and like almost dying, and also, um, you know, a couple of years of therapy and counting. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, All right. Well, a lot of those uh, things, wh- yeah. On that note, what's 
<laughs> What's one of your favorite game moments in pinball? You know, natural segue oh, God. from. God, I have to pick one. That's yeah. tough. I don't know. There's so many good ones. I mean, if you go back to the '90s, like when you get the three-way multi-ball in uh in Dracula, I mean, that's like one of the greatest Fine. pinball highs there is. Yes. By the way, we always, so me and my good. friends always, always referred to that like the triple stack as three-way love. <laughs> <laughs> He does say it kind of sensually. He does, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's one, of the, orgasmic. that's one of the all-time pinball highs for me, you know. In Godzilla, to throw back to that, since my favorite game, starting those mini wizard modes like Monster Zero or Terra Mecha Godzilla, that gives me, that gets like my arm, like the, arm, the hair on your arms gets all tingly when you start mm-hmm. those. They just feel like such important moments, you know. Yeah. Especially like that one, the Mecha Godzilla one, where you have a limited number of flips. Like that's the best implementation he's done of, the, of that gimmick of like you've got X number of flips in this mode. Like, the, like he just killed it on that thing. What is. I guess if you can answer your least favorite game. Wow. Do you have one? There's like, I, I just don't want to play that. I mean, there's, there's been plenty of games over the years from various companies that I just don't want to play. Hercules. Yeah, that's pretty, that, that's pretty, that would go on the list. I mean, you play it once and you're good for like a decade. Right. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. Like there's not one where I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that game is the worst. But I mean, there's, mm. I was, I mean, I wasn't in the nineties. I never liked Circus Voltaire. I don't understand why there's an audience for that game. Like it just, to me, it just didn't connect with me. It had a couple of cool ideas, but as a whole, like that one was one. I just like, I don't ever want to play this game. Um, hmm. Okay. What is, if you're willing to say, or can say, what are you looking forward to in 2023 pinball? Man, I mean, I can't give any details, but you could. Been, but you well, I'm not, not if I want to stay employed. But right, right, right. Let's I do will, it. I mean, <laughs> if you look, so I've been at Stern for just a little over six years now already, and just year after year, like we just, like we just constantly make more and more exciting stuff. Like I really believe that the team that George assembled at Stern, the entire product development studio, is the best in the business, like probably ever. I just think like we've got a great mix of veterans and like up and coming guys that are just killing it. And there's so much creativity there and, and camaraderie too. And, uh, it's, it never stops amazing me. Like, man, they pay me to do this shit like every day. Like I'm, I'm, I, if, like, you could add that to my list of things I'm blessed for. Like I've wanted to work mm. at Stern ever since like Williams Valley Midway laid me off in 2001 and it took really, and it took all those years to get there. Um, and I'm grateful for the opportunity that, that George gave me. And I, I'm just so happy to be part of such an amazing team of talented folks. It's like, it's just a real treat. Sometimes, like, even though I've been doing it for so long, I sit back, I'm like, man, this is just awesome. I'm so glad I'm, I'm just one part of that, you know. Well, thanks for letting us get to know your balls. I want to ask, <laughs> like, a kind of a, a somewhat follow-up question to that. The the thing that people get most anticipated for is like themes of games, like what's going to come out, you know, what you can, what you can say, what you can't say and all that. I got to imagine as a Stern employee, like there's things you wish you could tell people like, Oh, you're going to be so excited. All this. Is it just come down to licensing and marketing? Are there things that like you just wish you could tell people? You know what? I'm so conditioned. So when I started in this business, I started because of the game, mortal Kombat. 
fucking A. The game that had the most secrets of its time ever. And I yeah. legitimately feared that if I ever spilled the slightest little detail of anything that wasn't public knowledge, they would put cement shoes on me and throw me in the Chicago River. Like I, I, on Mortal Kombat, the first one? I, I, I started on the third one, but I got my job okay. because of the second one. Um, okay. And because of a chance meeting at a punk rock show of somebody that worked at the company. Like, I didn't plan any of this, like this whole career. I <laughs> fell into it. And I've never been, I've never been more grateful of probably anything in my life. hearing someone say like yeah and then you can rip this guy's head off and the spine comes out and you know i'm that age like yeah like what and you know i'm used to street fighter like you know back then you'd see like big sprites and like whoa what the fuck is this and uh you know blood sport was coming out all that shit and you're like no way you don't there's no blood and violence in this and like yeah and you can rip someone's you know your head off and, and shoot fire and i remember just right after that asking my parents like i need to go to the arcade there's this game called like ninja combat i gotta go see it and I went there, and the first thing I saw is when I walked in, someone was playing on the on the pit stage. Someone was Sub Zero, and I think he ripped Sonya's head off with the spine. And I just like, you know, shit my pants in a positive way. And since then, like, you know, any kid that that was a game changer. Is, I'll tell yeah. you, Fuck, it's dude. funny because Sub Zero's fatality is what attracted me to that game. And that game had been out for, I want to say, close to a year. And it was like in the center of the arcade that I spent my whole life at. This place called Just Games. It was right at the end of my street. And uh, I didn't Chicago pay. Chicago or where is that? It was in Downers Grove, Illinois. But they had a few okay. locations. They had a couple. They had one in Chicago as well. Um, I'm in there one day and I didn't pay any attention to the fighting games. Like I played Street Fighter 2. I'm like, yeah. It's like I don't want to pay 50 cents a game to try to figure this thing out. So I would mostly go there to play pinball and air hockey with my one of my two best friends. And... Uh, but I would play the video games too, and I didn't really pay much attention to that because again, there's like it's a big learning curve at two tokens. You know, I'm like I'd rather put the two tokens in a pinball machine. But I stopped yeah. and watched a buddy of mine who lived like around the corner was playing it, and he's playing as Sub Zero, and I saw him do Sub Zero's Fatality, and my eyes almost fell out of my head. I'm like, holy shit! I've never seen anything like that in a video game, and now I want to yeah. do that. So yeah, that's in it. real life. Yeah, no, not in real guy. life. But, um, <laughs> So I'm like, oh yeah. man, now I have to try this game. So I started playing it and I completely sucked at it, but I just kept at it until I figured it out. And then I think somebody told me, here's how you do these moves, you know? And it might have been the the guy that I saw playing. Um and I was yeah, just, there, there was no internet back then. Exactly. Just, I was yeah. Say. yeah, I mean you had to just learn it from other people or see people do it or figure it out yourself. So I became obsessed with the game. And you know, this this is MK1 and I was playing it like multiple days a week. And then I was in a long-term relationship with this girl I thought I was going to marry. And she broke up with me at some point around that time. And now I suddenly have, I'm super depressed and I've got an abundance of free time. So I spent even more time like going to the arcade and playing Mortal Kombat. And then when like Mortal Kombat 2 came out, like I went to go oh. see it on, when it was on test at Dennis's place for games. I've never seen a crowd that big around a video game before like the tokens you remember you used to put your tokens up to say yeah, i'm next mm -hmm. they were lined up next like on the, the bezel all the way across like four rows high and i would just hand my token to like wh whoever's in front of me and they'd pass it up there and put it on there i would wait for somebody to um say hey you're up you know and sometimes i had oh. to wait like a half an hour for a game you know and it was 
and became obsessed with that. And when we got one at just games, we got three of them actually. I I was working there at the time, and then I just played it constantly, and I'd stay after hours and play. And I became one of the best MK2 players like in the world. Who was your Who was your main main? I got so good that I just did random select. I didn't give a shit what I got. Wow, that was a challenge for me. It was almost like an arrogance of like, you go ahead and pick your guy, but I'm going to beat you no matter what, (laughs) no matter what they assign me. And I was that good. And then I met this dude at a punk rock show because he's wearing a Mortal Kombat shirt. And I went up to him and asked where he got it because I wanted the shirt. You couldn't just go to like Target and buy a Mortal Kombat shirt. And again, there's barely an internet yet. America Online, you know, like yeah. And uh, and he's like, "Oh, I work at Midway Games." I'm like, "Get the hell out of here! You do not." And he goes, "I do." Look, <laughs> and he pulls out his business card. His name was Bill Dabblestein. and we this band was called the Bull Weevils. They're a local Chicago punk band, fantastic band, and. I'm like, holy crap. And I don't know where I got the balls to even say to ask him where I got the shirt because I was a really shy guy. And I, and, uh, but I did because I was just so obsessed with that game. I wanted that t shirt. And then I'm like, well, I'm probably one of the best Mortal Kombat players anywhere. And I would love to be a game tester for your company. Like, but I don't know how I would go about doing such a thing. You know, can you tell, you know, but I'd be, in, I'd be up for it if you guys could use somebody like me. And he goes, coincidentally, I'm working on a game that we're going to need some testing. Give me your number and I'll call you. And I gave him oh. my number and I'm like, this dude's going to throw this in the trash as soon as I turn around and go back to my friends. And a sure. month later, my phone rang and it was Bill. And he goes, are you still interested in testing games for us? We're ready. I'm like, oh. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. Just tell me where and when and what time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And he goes, all right, bring two friends, and then here's the address, and come at this day and this time. And that was my foot in the door. What it was now a 29 year career. Unbelievable. Um, what was, Bill, okay. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I I was living with my mom. I was 24 years old. I didn't. I had no direction in life. Like work was just a means to buy records, and I was going to stay at my mom's house for as long as she would let me because I didn't want to grow up. And then, yeah. and then I happened into this career because a guy at a Bull Evil show, show was wearing a Mortal Kombat t-shirt. So what's this first day like? He says, come, bring a couple of friends. You so show up. I bring up my and- girlfriend at the time um, and my one of my really good friends named Jason. And the game we brought were brought in for was Revolution X. So it was a three-player <laughs> game. And it was a three-player yeah. game. So I'm like, holy shit, I can't believe it. This is where this this is where the magic is made, you know? And like I was just in awe of the whole thing, but I was like trying to keep my composure and like totally not mark out, you know? And I guess yeah. I did a, a good enough job. And uh so we, you know, they had us play it for a couple hours and we were telling them if we found any weird stuff with it and giving them some feedback. And then uh when the time was up and they sent us on our way, they're like, All right, we'll call you and tell you when to come back. So they did, like a couple days later when they, you know made some more changes and are they paying you for this or they're just well, like I, assume, I didn't we never really talked about the money i just showed up i would have done it for free to be honest with you hell yeah but then when i got my yeah. first check i couldn't believe how much they were paying me to do this like i had right. a full-time job at the time that required me to go to school to for that skill that was paying me half of what i was getting paid to play video games so uh um, jesus so i'm like holy shit like i get to do this and they're gonna give me this much money and you know, at the time when you're 24, that was life changing money because, like, yeah. I was working these crappy jobs, you know. And I didn't, again, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So after the when they called me the, to come back the second time, they're like, "Don't bring your girlfriend because she didn't seem that into it. Your other friend can come, and we'll, we, we've got a we've got a guy that we'll use for the third player." And the guy that they yeah. used was na- his name was Eddie Ferrier. He worked, 
he was a tester on the first two Mortal Kombat games. He was a few years younger than me. He was like an 18-year-old kid. And he was like the best video game player I've ever met in my entire life. He was like the rain man of video games. Like he could, he just had a knack for finding and mastering them in like no time at all. And uh, okay. we used to take breaks uh, from the game and play Mortal Kombat 2 against each other. And we would draw a huge crowd of like developers wa- at the company watching us play. And they were like in awe of how good we were. And they were, all these teams started saying, will you work on our game when, we're, when we're, our game is ready? We want you guys to come in and test it. And that's how I turned it into a job. Wow. Wow. So Mike is the original grandma's boy. Besides I the really weed am. besides the weed so, smoking. That movie yeah, is about yeah, him. I don't, I'm not into the weed, but that movie was there's so there's two movies that like I should sue for gimmick infringement. That was one of them and high fidelity is the other one. So you were testing, you were doing all this, and then eventually they just it just like slow rolled into like, hey, you just work here now? I so I lobbied because I was at this crossroads of life, like I'm tw- now I'm 25 years old. We're working on Mortal Kombat 3. We were working on Open Ice. We were contractors, so we would have if there was no game to work on, like we were not working. And I had I was yeah. working at that Just Games Arcade uh, part time, and I had a full time job that I eventually quit because I was making so much more money working on Mortal Kombat 3 than I was at this full time job that I hated. I'm like I'm gonna roll right. the dice and bet on myself. It's the first time I ever did that in life. And uh, ah. so I quit this job so I'd have more, I'd have my days free to come in to work at Midway Games. Play more Mortal yeah. Kombat. And, uh, <laughs> and I just kept lobbying for like, hey, I'm at this crossroads of life. I need a full-time guaranteed paycheck with insurance because like I'm 25, 26. I can't remember how old I was at the time. Um, and I just kept like pressuring them like, I you know, hire us full-time. Just, you know, it was just two of us. They didn't have any full-time guys that ever did this we were the first so i basically started the qa department there i finally got my way uh with some with a huge assist from sal devita who i told went to sal i'm like look i'm at this crossroads now where it's like i've got to put down the ultimatum if you guys don't hire us i got to go find a job like that because i you know eddie still lives with his parents but i i have no safety net like i need a full-time paycheck and i need health insurance and uh and i feel like i'm kind of getting the runaround every time i ask and Sal called up Ken Fidesna, who was the vice president of the company. And that that afternoon, I was signing. Eddie and I were signing the paperwork to become full time employees. Fuck. Now, the most important question is why did they take Sub Zero's mask off? Or no, they made it his brother in Mortal Kombat Three, right? No, the it was scar. the same no. Sub Zero, I think. It was it just a marketing. I don't thing? remember to be honest with you. Um, I used to joke that he looked the new one looked like Henry Rollins. It did. <laughs> it did, yeah. it did for sure. It totally I would, did. I would distinguish them by like Ninja Sub Zero and, and Rollins Sub Zero. Except for this one could clone himself. Yeah, I don't know. I think they were just trying to mix it up and you know and you know do some new things because like you know they're trying to develop stories around these characters and like they'd done two games already, so like why not make them different? Was the you'd run to, button? You'd have to, a, ask, you'd have to ask John Tobias that one about the you know because he designed those characters. Do you stay time. in touch w- with any of them? Uh, off and on, there's a, a handful of those guys. I I love everybody that I ever worked with on that team, and some of them I see more often than others. But anytime I see any of them, I'm always super happy to catch up with them. Um, I saw John Tobias the last time I ran into him was at the San Diego Comic Con in 2019. Um, and every time I see him or any of those guys, it's always a joy to, to catch up. I love, the, I love them all. Like they gave me, you know, they helped me have a 
wonderful career that as well as ups, ups and downs, but I wouldn't trade, trade it for anything. So how did Mortal Kombat become pinball? Um, so, well, you asked about the run button. Let's get to that and then I'll get, then I'll Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's go yeah. back to that. Run how so, much like in QA, was that a contention or what? No. So when we started on MK3, they added this run button and Ed's like, yeah, I've got, you know, we put in this thing where you can run and here's how it works. And they added the button and the placement was like by your thumb. And, uh, and he was really unsure about it. Like he had, it was like a experiment that he didn't have any faith that it would work. Like he, mm. he was wondering if like, is this a mistake? Am I going to cut this? And he told, he told Eddie and me, that after the first day of watching us play the game and how we took to that run button and how we became like instead of like mk2 which is all about defense mk3 is all about yep. the offense he he knew that putting it in is the right choice and then it, that's when he made the decision that it stay and where that was the run button uh or i guess what came first the combos in that game which were you know were kind of like string combos or the run button uh well so both of them were in when eddie and i came on board to start working on the project i don't know what came first probably the string combos were first and the run originally had no meter and you could just run forever and then it just became like it was impossible to ever like turn the tables like to get a comeback spot so he had to limit the amount of run because eddie used to like he was faster than me so he would get charge on me and then i couldn't and I was just sitting there like this, you know, like blocking the whole time. And I was helpless. Like, you know, I'm like, Ed, you got to do something like if he charges on me and he can't and nothing stops, I'm like, I'm screwed. Like, this sucks. And then he put the meter in there. I, when you say the meter, I'm thinking of the aggressor meter. There's which a run was, meter. What, it's like a little it? green bar under your life bar. Okay. And it, as you so run, in, it depletes. And then you have to wait, let yep. go and wait for it to recharge. So you have a fine there when run. they did... Uh, when they did the uh, Mortal Kombat trilogy on PlayStation and N64, yeah, we worked on that. Like we over, like uh, outside developer did that, but the we the three of us being Ed Boone, Eddie, and me oversaw that. So we had to fly down to Salt Lake City to work with the developer at one point to like go over like here's what we want you to change and here's what's good and here's what's bad, and then they changed they they did everything on the checklist, you know. So yeah, we were involved. Because that, that game was all that was all sorts of busted. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I was pretty happy with the game overall, but yeah, it could have benefited probably for some more time. And then I was always just noob Cybot and just rolled people. I can't remember who was the strongest character in that. I, I always struggled with playing fighting games with my thumbs. Like I was an arcade guy, so I needed the joystick and the okay. buttons. So like, like Eddie could take to that like no one's business, but I really struggled playing that game with my thumbs. I always would have to find some joystick controller to that would work on the PlayStation One, you know. Sure. So you work on all these Mortal Kombat, and then it just dissolves, and you come to pinball, or how does it, how did the transfer well, work? So my first, my the beginnings of my origin story are uh, involve pinball. As soon as I was big enough to reach the buttons in the seventies, this was like the mid seventies. I was about six years old. There, that same arcade, it was right at the end of our street. It's called Just Games. My dad loved pinball. He used to play it as a teenager. And uh, into his early 20s. And uh, he took me to the arcade to play pinball with him as soon as I could, was my arms were long enough to touch the buttons. I'd have to stand on the stool to see the ball. But as soon as I could hit those buttons, and I just like, I fell in love with it. And then when the video games came in a couple of years later, I was even more enamored with those. So, but pinball was my first love of games. 
and it never went away even at the height of my video game obsession throughout the early 80s to the early not early to mid 90s i still always played pinball in addition to that i'd always play whatever pinballs were at just games like they usually had about a half dozen or so you know i'd always you know save a handful of tokens to play those when my cousin worked there he used to like to play pinball more than the video games so i would play doubles with him a lot because he was the manager of the arcade for a few years okay so when i was working at midway and i would take breaks from video games the last thing i ever wanted to do was play more video games so pinball was like oh this is still like fresh and exciting to me because i'm not sitting in front of it eight hours a day um so i would do that on my breaks and it got me even more obsessed with pinball in the later half of the 90s and then i'm like man i want to work in pinball over the video games it's it's more fun and it was like the first thing i was into anyway but the industry was shrinking you know like at williams we cut the department the pinball department in half like twice in in my tenure there and uh so i knew that that was a dead end road for me and i didn't know you know pinball was on a decline in the late 90s and uh so i didn't ever i never got my wish and then when Williams closed pinball and Stern was the only game left in town, the midway got out of the coin op business in 2001. And then I like, I wanted to go to Stern. Like I, I want to, I want to work on pinball games, but there was no position for me at that time, you know? And, uh, over the years when I wasn't working, as I was doing video game design after that, like console video game design. And, but in my heart, I'm like, man, I'd rather be working on pinball. And thanks to a lot of years of lobbying from Lyman sheets, like, I got a opportunity at Stern, you know, when Stern was ready to grow even more, you know, six years ago. So you knew Lyman from, from before pinball and he was kind of, I knew I met Lyman cause we worked together at Williams, you know? So I sure. met him like at the, we call it the bottom of the stairs, this hallway at the bottom of the stairs that led up to the pinball department where we place all the games, video and pinball when we were all in the same building. And then eventually we moved across the street and video um but i used to go there even when i was in the across the street to go play the pinball machines it was like the latest games and the ones they were working on and the lineman would be down there playing pinball and i met him just that way and uh one of our co-workers introduced me to him and we became friends and we were became great friends he was a great friend to me for the next 23 years until he passed away but when uh when i wasn't work like when i would get laid off from a video game job lineman would go to you know at he was at stern most of those times and he would ask like hey we should hire you know he would ask george hey we should hire mike like i think he'd be good at this and he's really you know got a good head for pinball and and uh and the timing just wasn't there I mean, and then eventually it was so uh lyman was one that kept pitching for me to get there so i owe him a great deal but you know george was the one that came came and pursued hiring me when the time was right so how did you two fucks meet when you were at Marco Camp? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was I was going on the road with uh, with Marco, doing all the shows, promoting uh, you know Marco's parts and and promoting new uh, the new releases from Stern, and then we we kept asking for like t- t- we need tour support, we need tour support, and so they gave us Mike. And Mike would come out with us. Uh, he's a he was a great tech because he would you know if we had any problems uh, you know right out of the box he would oh just do this boom we're, we're up and running. And then uh, he started this whole thing. And I don't know where the idea came from, but he would challenge people for like for for trans lights or t shirts or whatever. Um, 
Anyway, but we we became good friends, uh, hanging out, going to get lunch together, digging in crates on our free time. We we would find uh, cool nice. record stores, and uh, yeah, so that that's how that's how we started hanging out on the road. It was it was an absolute blast, and I miss it. But I but I had to leave to help Rachel start. Uh, well, he she already started Electric Bat, but I, I had to leave to uh, help Rachel build Electric Bat. Yeah, when I started on that thing, it was like a happy accident, really. Like. The first time I met any of them, I met Rachel before I met Kale, was uh, George sent me to Texas Pinball Festival. It was when Batman and Guardians was the, like the two, was two of the newer games, you know, Guardians was the newest and George wasn't able to make it. So he's like, Mike, I want you to go um, because you worked on both of those games so you could speak to them. And at the time I was helping Lonnie design rules to Guardians and um and i had helped on batman you know with some stuff with lyman i worked pretty really closely with him on batman which was my first project at stern she was i want you to go because you can talk to fans about those games because you're so closely associated with how those games play um and i think you'll be good at it i'm like wait you want to send me to a pinball show yeah i'm in you know so they sent me to that and like a couple weeks later i just by myself drove up to mgc and Marco had this big booth full of games again. And I, I was just there to lend a hand. And uh, it was shortly after that that Mark Mandeltor called up John Boscali. And they're like, Mike's everything we've been asking you for for years. Will you please send them to all these shows? Yeah. And uh, and so John calls me into his office. And John's not my boss. I you know George is. I work in product development. I don't work in sales and marketing. So John's like, hey, you know, Mark, Mark Mandeltor just... I just got off the phone with him. He really speaks highly of you. And they, he practically begged me to send you to these shows. Is that something you'd be even interested in? I'm like, hell yeah, I am interested in that. I, lo- I would love to do that. And so he's like, all right, go get your boss to sign off on it. Cause I'm not your boss. I, you know, I'll pay for this, you know, but like George has to be yeah. okay with it because he has to be without you when you go do these things. And I went to George and told him and George was like, I think you'd be great at that. We'll work around your schedule. Like, I'm, you know, you have my blessing and that's how it started. And I don't even know who, where the idea of like challenge me for a prize came from. I don't know if Mark thought it up or I did, or I did, it just kind of happened. And then it became this thing, but I really was the, the reason why they wanted me to send me of all people is I work on every game in some way. And that's, that's pretty unique at Stern. Like that I've, I've touched every game in the last six years. Um, in some way. So tell me more about this challenge thing, because this is not the first time I've heard it, but so if you're at a show, someone can just walk up to you and challenge yeah, you? Yeah, so you I challenge, do this, it's like this gimmick where like, if you challenge me to a game of, of Stern Pinball in the booth, and you beat me, I'll give you a, some Stern swag, like a translite, a banner, a t-shirt, whatever they happen to give me, you know? And uh, and it just became this thing. And then eventually, like, they made a, they took it like a I think it was a moto made a sign maybe, or it might've been Rachel. Like yeah. they got a photo of me and then they like, and they put a sign up on the table and by, by the tent in our booth. Be like, Hey, if you see Mike and you want to challenge him for a stern prize to a game of pinball, you know, ask him. And that became like this thing I do at shows. Man. And is it like limitless? Like have you, have people challenged you to the point where like, Hey, I don't have any more. Shit no, you only away. can challenge you once a day. And if you win something like you, now you're eliminated for the rest of that show. You could come back next year or go to another city and challenge me again, you know? Yeah. But if you lose, like you can challenge me the next day of the show, but you only get one shot a day. 
and, and they're like serious players, like pro guys, like trying to beat Mike, and they they get all excited, and a, and a crowd will show up, just just like the old Mortal Kombat days. Yeah, uh, what, really one, is, of, yeah. one of my favorite times is when the little flippers from the flipper room were challenging you. Uh, what, what was her name? Anna? Anna. Yeah, Anna's oh, my man. favorite challenger yes. and my favorite pinball person probably ever. That kid is adorable. And she beat me in a game of Iron Maiden. And <laughs> I remember. At six years old, that kid was a really good player. She so, was on a stool. She yeah, was on, she was a, on stool a stool. And she, had, she was just like really full of attitude and charisma. Like the most charismatic, charismatic six-year-old I ever met. Like yeah. that kid has a future in pro wrestling for sure. <laughs> And uh, you gave her the rub. That, yeah, isn't totally. that the term? So, yeah, and, yeah. So like, so she challenged me, and I'm like, all right. Well, I don't want to lose. I don't want to win, you know, and beat a little kid. So like, I didn't try that hard. But that kid wiped the floor with me. Like she put up like a hundred something million. Yeah. Like, and I'm just like, man, I actually had to try to like just to keep up after like trying to take a dive, like without looking like I took a dive. So I actually tried, and she beat me. And then the rest of the weekend at the show, she's like. She, every time she'd walk by me, she'd point. She goes, I beat you. And she would just rub it in. And she'd like take her stool and she'd throw it on the floor, you know, yeah. like defiantly. And then she'd stand on it. Like she was super charismatic. It was really funny. And then the next year, we came back to that same show. And she's like, I remember me for last year. I beat you and I'm going to do it again. And now, like, my favorite, one of my favorite shows to do is the, is like that Golden State one because like, her parents and, and her her two sisters, they all come out to that. And I just love hanging out with that family. They're such wonderful folks. For sure. Yeah. Speaking of, what is your favorite show? Probably Texas. It's yeah. It's like the biggest and the best one. It's got the Twippy Awards. And I've always had so much fun at the Texas show. And it's like my voice gets blown out faster at that show than any other one. From just yeah, talking you, to so many you, people. You know, that first Twippies we did together, I still have Jeremy's Twippy, that uh, French one. Yeah, it, it flew off stage into my lap, and I, I have it at the house. Wow. That's, yeah. So if he if he needs it, let him know. I'll send it to him. They, they, uh, they, they sent him a correct <laughs> one. Like, yeah, I was, I, I was thinking about doing some kind of contest to uh, see if uh, some folks would want to win it or something. Chris might want to try to win it back. That so was like a... <laughs> Wasn't that like a high point in his career? You know, I, th I think it was. Yeah, yeah. But he's but, uh, not getting it. Th yeah, that uh, <laughs> that Twippy Award thing was what got me over my fear of public speaking. Like I was there with Mark Vitarelli, and like we're the only Stern employees there that could accept the awards. And Mark, at the beginning of the show, he goes, "You know, I'm going to make you go up there and accept any ones we win." I'm like, "You're not going to do any of them." He goes, "Nope, you got to do it." I'm like, "Come on, man, at least take one." He goes, "No, you could do this. You got it." And then he for he was like the mama bird pushing the baby out of the nest to make it fly. That's what Mark Widerelli did for me. And uh, after the second one, I'm like, oh, I got this. I could do this all night. And I think I had to go up there like four or five times. You did. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah. And I kind of think of a new promo. Like I would just write the promo in my head as I was walking to the stage. Because I don't <laughs> want to repeat myself. So I'm like, all right, who do I have to put over in this one? You know, like what was the category? And then I just so I just I just did it all on the fly. That was a great year. And that's when uh, Zach and uh, Greg were hosting. Yeah, that's right. Those guys yep. were a great host. I really mm -hmm. enjoyed that one. Yep. Is there anything that you're working on next at Stern that you can say or talk about? Or is it kind of just Foo no, Fighters? I can tell you Foo Fighters is the right now. game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yes, it is. Yeah, I'm waiting for mine. I ordered a premium. I, I played it at MGC. It was fun as hell. That that team just totally killed it with that game. It's so good, and uh, and I'm yeah, but I can't say like I'll be working on Bond with Lonnie until we're done, 
and we have a lot of cool stuff planned. Like that game has turned out to be my largest design role at Stern. It actually will eclipse Stranger Things as far as like my design wow. involvement goes. And uh, I promise everybody will be super happy with it when we're done. We have a lot of cool stuff planned for for that game that you know is just not implemented yet. But once we get it in, I think people are going to really enjoy it. It's a really game, a really fun game to shoot. Every time I play it, I'm just like, wow, this is so satisfying. I, I assume that you know, you guys would like it to all be done. It's just, you know, things out of the control. Everything just can't be pushed out this week. So it's kind of more of a slow drip on that one. Yeah, we're, we'd like to get it, you know, we're getting it to you as fast as we can. And we would have liked to have gotten it to you more and faster. But, you know, there's a number of reasons why it's taken as long as it has. Um, but I promise it'll be worth the wait when it's done. Like, I think people are starting with the last two updates. People, I think, are starting to really see like kind of where we're headed with that. And they seem to enjoy the couple things that we added in the last two updates, um, which is nice to see. And I, you know, there's just more of that to come and it will all kind of fit together, you know, in a way that's maybe not apparent now, like you'll see how the things kind of work together to get you to what the wizard modes when they're in there and how things will affect what you do in the future in the game you're playing, you know, like your performance in these modes will aid you in scoring. And when you get to wizard modes and whatnot, you know, there's a lot of stuff sure. like that planned. It's going to have some good layers of depth for sure. That's not not immediately apparent now because there's missing sure. pieces still, you know. So is the, the code that we played at Expo is are 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 you because when I played at Expo and and you know me, I'm not like the greatest pinball player in the world, but I I, I scored like 800 and something million, and I've never been able to do that again because oh, the scoring was totally broken. And oh, honestly, oh so like, it's not headed back that way. Oh, so, eventually, <laughs> no, eventually it will get higher than that once we get okay. the the, mul- the playfield multipliers. Because remember, like when the Bond Women uh, feature gets hooked up, that's the playfield multiplier, and you'll be able to get seven mm. X playfield going at some point, you know. Um, but the scoring, you know, need, we have to do a pass big time passive score balancing which we'll do in the near future once we get the the rest of the modes in first then we'll balance the scores and then we'll get the playfield multiplier in there and then like you know obviously with 7x scoring like scores are going to get big you know so 800 million will feel small you know <laughs> at some point in the future i can't say exactly when right on hey just make a mortal combat game at stern i mean you know Work on that next. Release that. You're not the That'll first. Per- you're not posters. the first person to suggest that. Like I've had people come up to me at shows and like, you worked on you work in pinball and you worked on Mortal Kombat. Like, why why don't you just make one of those? I don't get to, I don't get to choose what we make at Stern. So um, someday when I when the, the day hopefully comes that I get to design a game where I do the playfield, that's my last long term goal. You know, obviously I I, w- mm. I would have a list of things i would ask for of like here's some themes i would like to do if it's possible you know but it could be where they'd be like hey here if if i get to that someday it'd be like they could just say here's what's available like you know what do you want to do from this list so it really it varies you know but in my head i've got like a wish list well everyone out there go find mike at your next texas pinball festival or expo would be probably the next one you're gonna oh, no, be at for a challenge between, between now and expo i think i've got about five shows between there like i'll be at the allentown show in a couple of weeks i'll be at a uh, golden state i'll be at the northwest show i'll be at southern fried um and then i think expo and California you'll be at the stern Extreme. booth if people want to come find always, you always yeah if they always. want to find you and challenge you yeah, yeah. any of those big booth. shows that i do the same shows pretty much every year uh, there's like 10 to 12 okay. of them a year 
yeah, if there's a booth full of Sturm games and it's one of those enthusiast type shows, the odds are very, very strong that I'll be there. And so will my tag team partner, Michael Grant, who works in sales and marketing. Like he travels to these shows with me, most of them. And uh, so we tag up. It's a, it's fun. It's fun traveling with them. Also, the the punk punk vault on Instagram, right? Yeah, yeah, that's my Instagram, the punk vault. I mostly post nerdy pictures of all my records, you know, that I'm listening to at the time, or or show off like collectible old punk records. Um, and sometimes I post my concert photography on there. Anywhere else people can find you other than Instagram? Are you on Facebook? I or do a, a website called The Punk Vault, and that's where you can see all my concert photography Ooh. and I review records. Uh, it's punkvinyl.com or punkvault.com will get you there too. Cool, man. Well, thanks for your time. Thanks for sharing everything. Oh, thanks for having and, me. And uh, you, you, you had the correct answer on your greatest fear. That's the one to beat. Dying. <laughs> All right, man. Have a good night. All right, thank you, too. Right on. Thank you so much, Mike. Well, that's all she wrote here at the Pinball Party. Email in at pinballpartypodcast at gmail.com. Give us some shit. Go check out our Patreon. Actually, don't. Don't give us money at our Patreon. Put it to better use, you know? Pay your taxes. Don't do that either. Go buy some cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> Go buy some cigarettes, and we'll talk to you next week. When I buy my pinball shit, I buy from Flippin' Out. From Topper's Art Blade Premiums, I've got it figured out. Flippin' Out. Yeah. Figured out. Oh, yeah. When I think uh, of pinball, I yeah. think Flippin' Out. Oh, yeah. Flippin' uh, Out. Yeah. Figured out. Oh, yeah. When I buy, uh, buy, buy, I yeah. buy from Flippin' Out.